Hi, and welcome to this podcast brought to you by VJ Oncology. Today, we'll be joined by four leading experts who share some of the highlights in breast cancer research presented at the ESMO 2023 meeting. First up, we'd like to introduce Peter Schmidt from Bart's Cancer Institute, who shares results from the Begonia trial, a phase 1-2 study evaluating first-line devalumab in combination with DATO-DXT in patients with locally advanced or metastatic triple-negative breast cancer. The Begonia trial is a really interesting platform trial of different immune therapy combinations for first-line metastatic triple-negative breast cancer therapy. We set it up initially when we had the first data of, of chemotherapy and immune therapy that were positive in, in PDO1 positive triple-negative breast cancer, but we were trying to improve the outcomes. We had different drugs were tested there, for example, AKT inhibitors, 73 antibody, but ultimately they two drugs that have been, two combinations that have been most interesting, other combinations with antibody drug conjugates, TDXD and DATA-DXD in combination with Devalumab. Now at ESMO 2023, I had the pleasure to present updated data of ARM7 from Begonia. And this is the ARM with DATA-DXD and Devalumab DATA-DXD is a top two target in ADC. Devalumab is an immune checkpoint inhibitor. It's first line metastatic triple negative breast cancer, so patients hadn't had received any other treatment. We treated a total of 62 patients. Now, what's really interesting to look at is the, is the characteristics of the, of the patient group. Nearly 90% of the patients were PDL1 negative. And, and if you look at the benchmark of efficacy from phase three trials in PD1 negative tumors in Keynote 355 and in Passion 130, the response rates were about 40 to 45% with chemotherapy, with, with, with or without immune checkpoint inhibitors. The progression-free survival in that group of patients is around five months. What we saw in Begonia, what we saw with data DXD and Tevalumab was an objective response rate of 79%. Substantially, I could almost say dramatically higher than what we've seen in other studies with chemotherapy in, in, in this setting. We've also seen a highly encouraging progression-free survival of over 13 months with a duration of response of over 15 months. The data obviously suggests there's a, there's a very powerful signal. The interpretation is unclear at this point in time. Is this down to the antibody drug conjugate? And this bill is currently being evaluated in two phase three trials. Data DXT is in a first line trial against standard chemotherapy in PDL1 negative patients, and it's in combination with immune therapy in PDL1 positive patients against chemotherapy and immune therapy. But there's a second element to this, which I'm really intrigued in of, and, and would like to see a bit more data. And this is, is possibly the, the high response rates down to a, to, to a synergistic activity between the ADC and immune checkpoint inhibitors. And can we possibly break through the paradigm that immune therapy and metastatic triple negative breast cancer only works in PDL1 positive tumors? So the trial we are hoping to do is a trial of data DXD with Devalumab, with the immune checkpoint inhibitor, in PDL1 negative patients, and compared with, with data DXD alone. And if that's positive, then we have evidence that we can widen the target population for patients with, 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 with immune checkpoint inhibitors in, in triple negative breast cancer. So, in summary, Begonia trial ongoing platform trial, but the data presented here of ARM7 with data DXD and Tevalumab show a substantial so a high response rate of 79%, PFS of over 13 months, duration of response of 15 months. This, in my opinion, warrants further investigation. Also presented during ESMO 2023, Peter Schmidt shares five-year follow-up findings from Keynote 522. At ESMO 2023, I had the pleasure to provide an update of Keynote 522. 
Just to remind you of the design of Keynote 522, it was the first phase three trial to investigate the addition of the immune checkpoint inhibitor pembrolizumab to neoadjuvant chemotherapy in patients with stage two or stage three triple negative breast cancer. Patients were randomized two to one to receiving pembrolizumab or placebo in combination with chemotherapy for six months, then they had surgery and then carried on with pembrolizumab or placebo for another six months. The chemotherapy regimen was intensive, 12 weeks of carboplatin paclitaxel followed by 12 weeks of AC or EC. The trial has two primary endpoints, short-term endpoint with PATH-CR, and we have previously demonstrated that the addition of pembrolizumab significantly increased PATH-CR, it's by about 13.6%, from 51 to nearly 65%. We had also previously demonstrated in the second primary endpoint, event-free survival, which is the long-term benefit, that we had demonstrated after 39 months of follow-up that the addition of pembrolizumab significantly reduced the, the risk of recurrences by about 37%. Now at ESMA 2023, we presented five-year follow-up data, to, to be precise, 63 months medium follow-up now. That's really important for triple negative breast cancer. If you look at early triple negative breast cancer, the recurrence pattern is very different to other subtypes. We see most of the recurrences happening in the first five years. In fact, about 70% of the recurrences usually happen in the first three years, 85 to 90% of the events in the first five years. So if you have an adjuvant, neoadjuvant adjuvant study with five-year follow-up, you're from bust, you have definitive data. What we demonstrated here is that the result has remained absolutely stable. The hazard ratio for event-free survival is 0.63, significant and meaningful benefit. If you look at the five-year event-free survival rates, there were 81% with pembrolizumab and, and chemotherapy, compared to 72% with chemotherapy and placebo, significant benefit. If you look at the benefit in, across subgroups, age, PDL1 status, nodal status, stage, for example, it's consistent. There's not a single group we would take out and say they don't benefit from pembrolizumab in this setting. We were unable to present overall survival data. It's an event-free analysis, and we haven't seen the events, which I suppose is a really positive sign as patients in, I assume, in the pembrolizumab arm are doing much better, and therefore we haven't seen patients' death. On the other hand, we have seen that in distant metastatic event-free survival, again, we see a significant and meaningful benefit with a hazard ratio of 0.64, and a delta a difference in, in, in five-year distant metastatic uh, event-free survival rates of around 8%. A really interesting additional analysis pre-planned was looking at the outcome at event-free survival of patients with apathia or with residual disease. It's well established that if someone experiences apathia with preoperative therapy, they have a fantastic outlook. However, what we've seen now is that if you achieve apathia with chemotherapy and pembrolizumab, the outlook is better than if the apathia is achieved with chemotherapy alone. The five-year event-free survival rates with apathia with chemo and, plus, and pembrolizumab is 92% compared to 88% with chemotherapy alone. And this suggests to me that the quality of the PATH-CR can be very different in terms of how, how you achieve that, that PATH-CR. The second learning is in patients who have residual disease, and unfortunately patients with residual disease still have a relatively high risk of disease recurrence, but we have more than 10% better five-year event-free survival rate if patients achieve or had residual disease after chemotherapy and pembrolizumab compared to chemotherapy alone. So in summary, 
Hewlett 5 to 2 has now really robust five-year mature data uh, confirming there's a substantial benefit not just in, 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 in path CR rates, but more importantly in event-free survival rates, reducing the risk of occurrence by 37%, but also demonstrating that patients who have a complete pathological response seem to be doing better if they had immune therapy than if they had chemotherapy alone with a 4% delta. Next up, Erica Hamilton from the Sarah Cannon Research Institute discusses findings from a phase 1-2 study that aims to assess the safety and efficacy of veptagestrin in heavily pretreated patients with ER-positive, HER2-negative, locally advanced or metastatic breast cancer. Vepdegastrant or ARV471 is a protac or a proteolysis targeting chimera. It's a different way to degrade the estrogen receptor, so an anti-estrogen. At this point, as of June 2023, we've enrolled 83 patients in this phase one, two, and so have a pretty good experience uh, with this drug. Patients were enrolled across a multitude of dose levels. What's really unique about this is the patients were quite heavily pretreated. Everyone had seen a CDK4-6 inhibitor. Everyone had already been treated with an aromatase inhibitor. And in fact, over 80% of patients had already been treated with full vestrin. So a median of four prior lines in the setting. What was really unique is we saw no dose-limiting toxicities across all dose levels, really uh, showing how well-tolerated this drug is. Uh, we uh, Most common side effect was fatigue. In terms of nausea, we saw less than 25% of patients having any grade of nausea. And arthralgias can be a big problem with other uh, drugs in this indication, aromatase inhibitors, for example. And we saw less than 15% of patients having any arthralgias. In terms of all patients treated across all dose levels, the clinical benefit rate was 36%. And if we select for those patients that have an ESR1 mutation, this actually increased to about 50%. So I think uh, this is really encouraging. There are two ongoing phase three registrational trials with Vepdegastrant, Veritac 1, which is looking at Vepdegastrant versus Fulvestrant, and Veritac 3, which is looking at Vepdegastrant in combination with palbocyclib in the first line setting. So really, I think that a compound like this has the possibility to go later line post AI CDK4-6 has the possibility to challenge AI in the first line setting with CDK4-6 inhibitor, and really probably has the opportunity to go uh, into early adjuvant breast cancer as well. At ESMO 2023, we spoke with Kevin Kalinsky, who shared the current state of CDK4-6 inhibitors in metastatic HER2-negative breast cancer. In metastatic hormone receptor positive HER2-negative breast cancer, we have three CDK4-6 inhibitors that are approved. Uh, we have palbocyclib and ribocyclib, and we have abemocyclib. All of these studies, uh, all the studies that led to the approval of these agents showed a similar median progression free survival hazard ratio, you know, one of about 0.5 to 0.56. There are some differences in terms of some of the randomized studies showing an overall survival benefit uh, compared to not all of the trials uh, demonstrated that sort of benefit. Um, and one of the ongoing questions is if you have a patient who's had a tumor that has progressed on a CDK4-6 inhibitor, for instance, in the frontline setting, should you change the CDK4-6 inhibitor uh, in when patients are being treated at the time of progression? 
And we've seen some data uh, that have been published, for instance, from the maintain trial, which demonstrated there was a benefit from switching for this most part pavacyclib to ribocyclib. But we're waiting other randomized results, such as from the post-monarch study, which is a completed trial, which is randomizing patients at the time of CDK4-6 inhibitor progression to fulvestrin with or without abemocyclib. And that's an eagerly awaited trial that we'll hopefully hear in the not so distant future. Finally, Shireen Loy from the Peter McCallum Cancer Center shared results from the Checkmate 7FL trial evaluating nivolumab versus placebo in high-risk ER-positive HER2-negative breast cancer with neoadjuvant chemo and adjuvant therapy. So the Checkmate 7FL study was the, a randomized, multi-center, global, placebo-controlled phase three study, which evaluated the benefit of nivolumab to neoadjuvant chemotherapy in high-risk estrogen receptor-positive HER2-negative breast cancer. It was um, a trial which included patients with ER-positive HER2-negative breast cancer. They had to be primary disease treatment naive. They had to be grade three on ductal histology that was determined by the local pathologist. They had to have ER centrally confirmed. Patients with clinical T1C, T2 had to be node positive and patients with T3, T4 could have any nodal status. And patients were randomized to receive nivolumab or placebo with four cycles of weekly paclitaxel followed by four cycles of AC, followed by surgery and then one year of nivolumab or placebo in combination with the adjuvant endocrine therapy. Patients were stratified for PDL1 status and that was determined using the SP142 assay. So um, in the end, the study was originally over a thousand patients that had co-primary endpoints of PCR and EFS. But unfortunately, abemocyclib was approved in October 2021. And because abemocyclib cannot be combined with nivolumab, we expected that there'll be a high rate of patient discontinuations in the adjuvant phase. So we modified the trial just to focus solely on PCR and not EFS. Um, and so the trial became open label for EFS and stopped recruiting new patients. So it went from 1,000 patients to about 521. And also we had the Russian-Ukraine conflict, so that resulted in closure of the Russian sites. Um, so in the end, there was around 510 patients in total um, randomized. So this was the intent to treat population. And then the secondary endpoint was PCR in the PDL1 positive population. And so the results were that the addition of nivolumab statistically increased the PCR rate in the overall population. The difference was 10.5%. So it went from around 12% um, to 22%. So this is the first time we've seen a PCR increase in ER positive disease, so that's exciting. But of most note, it was in PDL1 positive patients, the PCR was dramatically increased. So it went from 20% to 44%. So that's an absolute difference of 20%. So that's a huge difference for PDL1 positive patients. And for PDL1 negative patients, that difference was around 3%. So the benefit does seem to be in patients with PDL1 positive tumors. So it's our belief that patients with immune enrichment derive the most benefit from the addition of these agents in this breast cancer subtype. Obviously, we'll be following for event-free survival, so it's important to follow up long-term. With regards to side effects, there was no real difference in side effects with the addition of nivolumab. Side effects were as expected um, in this population, and people are a bit more familiar now with immunotherapy in the neoadjuvant setting, so we did, this was not different um, in this study compared to what we already know. 
So yeah, in conclusion, the study was a positive study. It met its primary endpoint and we're following up for event-free survival. But I think this suggests a group of patients with ER positive tumors, which is the most common breast cancer subtype and particularly younger women as well, have a potential here to increase their outcomes, clinical outcomes with the addition of these immune agents, which is really exciting. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favourite podcast app. For more highlights in breast cancer and ESMO 2023, check out vjoncology.com. See you for the next one.